made a profession of faith when I was seven years old, and I made intellectual assent to all of the basic gospel facts, but uh, was not truly converted. Uh, but I thought that I was. So I, I went through my high school years, uh, college, and even went to seminary, believe it or not, as an unconverted person. Hey, and welcome to Zero Compromise, helping you stand for truth in a world that falls for lies. I'm Patricia Angler, joined here at the Answers for Women conference by Jessica Jaworski, aka JJ. Hello. And Rocket Rob Webb. What's up, guys? And we are really excited for our special guest today. So who's on today with us? We are honored to have Justin Peters with us today. He is the founder of Justin Peters Ministry, and we are excited to hear his testimony and a little bit more about his ministry as well. Yeah, so for those that aren't familiar, um, why don't you go ahead and just say who you are, maybe a little bit about your background and your ministry, and we'll go from there. Sure, sure, brother. Well, first, thank you all for having me on. Appreciate that very much. And uh, so my testimony is a surprising one. It's a rather long one. I could spend the whole uh, interview here giving it. But uh, I was born and reared in a Southern Baptist church and made a profession of faith when I was seven years old. And I made intellectual assent to all of the basic gospel facts, but uh, was not truly converted. Uh, but I thought that I was. So I, I went through my high school years, uh, college, and even went to seminary, believe it or not, as an unconverted person. Uh, I knew that there was something wrong but I didn't know what was wrong. And a long story, very short, is that there seemed to me to be an inherent contradiction within the gospel itself. And that is basically that um, on the one hand, we teach that you cannot be saved by works, right? You, and I, that much I understood. I, I knew I couldn't help enough little old ladies across the street and earn my way into heaven. But in order to be saved, we would turn around and tell people they had to repent, which seemed to me to be doing a work because I thought repentance was something that I did. I thought it was something that I had to gin up within myself. I had to will myself to turn from certain sins and just, you know, kind of good old college try there. And so how, on the one hand, can you say repentance is not a works, but in order to be saved, you have to repent, which was doing a work. And so it just seemed to me to be this massive inherent contradiction within the gospel that I could not understand. And um, I never had any lasting assurance of my own conversion. Uh, there would be times when I would lay awake at night, staring at the ceiling, worried that if I were to die, that I would go to hell because I just never had lasting assurance. Well, what I didn't realize uh, is that genuine repentance is a work, but it's a work of God. God grants repentance to us. It's a gift of God. Acts chapter 5, um, 30 and 31, Acts chapter 11, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 24 and 26, yep. all talk about God granting repentance. Yeah, 2 Timothy 2 is what I was thinking of. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, so <laughs> God actually saved me as a preacher. Wow. And yeah, he saved me as a preacher. And so my full testimony is written out on my website, justinpeters.org. Very uncreative name for my website, but <laughs> justinpeters.org. And so you can read a full full version of it. But uh, I have a I have a rather surprising testimony. Yeah, wow. Saved as a preacher. Did did the flock that you were shepherding notice a, a shift and a change when you did come to Christ? Well, uh, yes and no. I say no in that I wasn't a pastor. Okay. I was just uh, a preacher at the okay. time. I was okay. an evangelist. Yeah. And so, um, so I didn't have a church per se, mm -hmm. but, uh, 
But yes, once I, when I got converted, truly converted, at first I didn't even realize what was going on. I thought I just needed to clear the cobwebs. And so I, I took a year off from my preaching, just thinking I needed to kind of recalibrate and think through some stuff. Well, that was actually the year I was converted. But uh, after, after that year, then I slowly began to preach and teach again. And yes, uh, it's very different. My preaching and teaching is quite different. I mean, for the for the most part, what I was teaching before, it, for the most part, it was right. And the best way I know to describe it is I had pockets of truth, but I just couldn't connect the dots. Yeah. And so now, by God's grace, those dots, you know, have connected. So, uh, but my preaching is quite different, and uh, I think I'll trust by God's grace better, yeah. uh, deeper. Um, more theological, so yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I kind of had a similar experience as well. I remember before I came to Christ, I had heard those pockets of truth, you know, but I yeah. couldn't quite connect all the dots. And and for me, it really wasn't until I fully heard the law of God explained to me, explained that you know I am a sinner before a holy and just God, and understanding who God's character really was, that really just, I mean, everything started clicking at that point. And I, I, I think I've heard you say before in terms of, you know, sheep and, and goats and, you know, it's, it's, it's not that you become a sheep or you become a goat from a sheep. You know, you've always been a sheep, right? And right. Um, right. That's, I think that's one of the most powerful assurances I've, I've heard is just, yeah. just the fact that, you know, you're, you're essentially, you're, you're, you're in the pasture field. You kind of hear the preacher's voice, you know, you hear like little, little things here and there. Right. And, um, it's, it's like the Bible says like, that, that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. Yeah, that's right. And that's what John 10, 27 is talking about. My sheep hear my voice. That's not a verse that is unfortunately so misused today. So many people take that to think, oh, that's God whispering to you on a daily basis, telling you where to go to have lunch one day or something like that. That's not what that's talking about. That is talking about salvation. And just like you said, Rob, before our conversion, uh, we're not goats. We're still sheep. We're lost sheep. Right. who have not yet heard the voice of the shepherd. Uh, but when we do, when salvation is the good shepherd Christ calling his lost sheep to himself. Mm -hmm. uh, when you read John chapter, chapter 10, in its context, it's absolutely unmistakable. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and no one will ever snatch them out of my yeah, hand. Yeah, praise God. That is the assurance we can really bank on as Christians. 100%. There yeah. you go. And to know false teaching, we have to know the true teaching first. So like we're talking about knowing the voice of the shepherd. And that's super important because you do a lot of discernment ministry, right? Teaching people how to recognize false teachers. I'd be curious kind of how you got into that. And then just some things that young people need to know because we know false teachers are only going to get worse. That's what Paul told Timothy. Evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we need to be ready for that. So I'd love to hear uh, anything you have to say to young people in that regard. Sure, Patricia, absolutely. So, yes, uh, warning about false teachers is something that we must do. And uh, I tell people that 26 of the 27 books in the New Testament directly warn about false doctrine and or false teachers, and most of them do so multiple times. Only the short little book of Philemon has nothing to say about false doctrine or false teachers, at least not directly. So right, right, right. it is a prominent theme in the New Testament, warning about deceivers, hirelings, wolves, um, wolves in sheep's clothing. So th it's not an option for us. Uh, Paul wrote to Titus, and he said, teach sound doctrine and refute those who contradict, Titus 1.9. 
So it's not an option. It's not an either or. It's a both and. We must do these things. And one of the things that makes false teachers so appealing and yet so dangerous at the same time is that not everything that false teachers teach is false. Some of it is right, but there's enough error and heresy mixed in with it to corrupt the entire they thing. sprinkle a little bit enough truth, right? To yeah. kind of tickle itching, the ears. Yeah, itching ears, yeah. Itching mm-hmm. ears yeah. And, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, how does, how does Satan disguise himself? Satan doesn't show up red and scaly with a bifurcated to- fork, you know, yeah. bifurcated tail carrying a hay fork. He's smarter than that. He yeah. disguises himself as an angel of light. So they will have some truth, uh, but mixed in with that truth is the error, is the poison. Right. And the Bible says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So, um, yeah, so many, this is, this is why we need discernment. This is why we need to do what Paul said in First Thessalonians 5.21. We are to test all things mm-hmm. and hold fast to that which is good. So we are to test everything through the lens of Scripture. I tell people often, uh, don't take what a preacher preaches to you at face value. Be like the Bereans, Acts 17, 11. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And I encourage people not to take what I teach them at face value. Search the scriptures to see if these things are really so. Yeah, that is our ultimate foundation is biblical authority, scripture alone. Yeah, absolutely. If there is a young adult out there who maybe their peers are into um, some false teacher or they're listening to false doctrine, what would you recommend for those um, young adults to uh, try to push their peers into sound doctrine and how can they go about navigating that when there's other people around them who are not um, hearing the truth and how can a young adult uh, warn their other peers and and engage in that with them? Yeah. Uh, So don't, uh, anytime you see a preacher that's flashy, that's trying to look hip, uh, I don't trust any man who preaches in skinny jeans, call me old, call me boomer. I don't don't either. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, you know, if they're trying to obviously fit in with the culture, that's a huge red flag. Yep, As Christians, we're not supposed to fit in with the culture. We're supposed to be different. Uh, so anytime I see a preacher, skinny jeans, ripped clothes and, you know, whatever, all that, I, I just, that's a huge red flag for me. Um, just because a preacher has a large following, just because he's had a meteoric rise in popularity, he has a million followers on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, you know, just because they're popular doesn't mean that they're sound. In fact, I'm going to say that if they're extremely popular, that in and of itself is a good reason. It's like, okay, let's pump the brakes here. Mm-hmm. Something else might be going on. There may be a reason they're so popular. Yeah, and I've, I've heard you talk on this before in terms of a lot of these churches, what they have is is a lot of these young people are walking into these churches looking for that emotional experience, right? That sh- yes. kind of sugar pill rush, that sugar rush, you know, um, just really kind of surface level, but nothing really down deep is really there. Right. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about how to discern that and what, what that needs to look like. Yeah, you want in a preacher, you want to look for an expositor. You want to look for someone who takes the Word of God and digs deep into the text and exposes the meaning of the text. Uh, if you see a preacher that spends most of his time telling stories, usually about himself, but uh, or quoting like Marvel movies or something. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. Disney movies yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. What yeah. can we learn from Lilo and Stitch? Or doing TikTok <laughs> dances or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
run like the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel does not have anything to teach us. I don't, you know, no. There was a church I went to. No, I'm not even going to lie. There was like a five week series on Marvel movies and the yeah. Avengers and what wow. can we learn from the Yeah. Wow. Like, what? Yeah. You can learn nothing. You got the word of God right in front of you, man. I mean, right. I know. Come on. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, it, it is. That's a, that's a, that's not a red flag. That's a red banner. Yeah. <laughs> saying you know but that's the thing that people dirt. like though i mean it's just they i mean it, it attracts people there's plenty of young people i see all the time they're out there looking for that and unfortunately it's caused a lot of false converts i believe in our church a lot of people out there believing that they're christians believing that they're going to heaven one day but haven't actually repented and bent the knee to jesus yeah. in faith right and so it's becoming a huge problem oh it is you know this this watered down gospel jesus will make your life better mm -hmm. That's actually what I preached on today at the conference here. Yeah, uh, Jesus is, well, he'll make it better in the sense that it, he will make it profound and meaningful for the gospel and bringing glory to God. But as far as G Jesus making your life more comfortable or uh, you know self fulfillment, no, he's not. Your life isn't going to get easier as a Christian. It's going to get exponentially harder so as a promised. Christian. Jesus promised that. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jesus' message was so counterintuitive and countercultural that the message he preached is not one of self-fulfillment. It's self-denial, not one of having your best life now, one of taking up your cross, which was a call to die for the gospel, mm -hmm. uh, denying of yourself, putting to death the deeds of the body, crucifying your flesh, suffering for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Philippians 1, 29, for to you it has been granted not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer for his sake. And, right. and what, yeah, we like the first part, but not the second part. Exactly, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. What uh, Jesus told, what Jesus told um, uh, Ananias in reference to Saul, Jesus said, this is Acts chapter 9, he said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. That, that's not a very seeker-friendly message, Jesus. Yeah, that's not, right. you know, and you're going to turn people away with that kind of message. That's right. Mm -hmm. You will turn people away. Here's the real gospel is so against the grain of what our flesh wants that it will repel people. It will repel the goats. It will draw the sheep. Right. Only the sheep will respond to a message like that. Yeah, all our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. And yep, when we exactly. hear the true gospel, then that, that makes us realize that we have no boast before Christ because we are unworthy of, uh, to be uh, with a holy, righteous God. But his son and his finished work on the cross is what paves that way for us to then stand before him and to be within his family and to to be submitted to, and bow the knee to him and to describe to him the glory due his name that's what differentiates biblical christianity versus every other man-made religion every other man-made religion out there tries to say what can you do right how can you earn your salvation mm -hmm. biblical christianity we look to the cross we look to the finished work of jesus there and so i think that's something that we have to look forward to no matter what the situation is in life and I was listening um, um, as you were speaking earlier, and one of the things that really resonated with me, because I'm, I'm Rocket Rob, I, I uh, worked work for NASA for a long time, and you mentioned in terms of just the immense scale of the universe, right? You, the the number of stars that are out there, it's it's a countless number of stars that are out there. I only remember like the, la the latest uh, estimate, 
think it was like 200 billion trillion stars are out there in the universe that they that they even know about right now and then that number continues to increase yes whereas the bible says that god has named every single one of those stars yes. yet he thinks about us we we are made in the image of god and he cares for us um i i think that was one of the most powerful things i i heard i heard from you saying just in terms of this awesome god he cares about us right about in us. all of our situations and all of our circumstances yeah First Peter 5, 6 and 7, uh, cast all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. Yeah. And yeah. that phrase, he cares for you in the Greek, the most literal rendering of that in the Greek is, it matters to right. him mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. And that is such an awesome thought that this incredible God who spoke the, not only spoke the universe into existence, but sustains it, mm -hmm. upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, 3. Yes. It matters to him about us. That is a, uh, I, there's no way to. It's an awesome that God that we serve. It's an awesome God we serve. Absolutely. And it changes your perspective then of suffering. Like what I heard you saying mm -hmm. a little earlier, how when we understand that, yeah, it's, we're not called to an easy life. We're, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but that he will be with us in it. And it matters to him as we're going through it. And then I'm thinking of the verse, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we want to keep that eternal perspective in mind. And meanwhile, because there's so many ways that people are led astray, what do you see as being some of the main false teachings that people should watch out for? Any kind of key flag words that if people hear in their churches or online, that they should just immediately have that like buzzer words, you know, coming off. Yes. Yeah, there's so many. So some of those would be uh, the doctrine of positive confession, that you can speak things into existence. Your, mm. your words have creative power in and of themselves. So if you hear that, you know you're dealing with a false teacher. Uh, the little gods doctrine, the mm -hmm. teaching that we are gods, we are little gods. That is a prominent teaching at Bethel Church, uh, Redding, California, Bill Johnson, all that, you know, Bethel School of Supernatural mm -hmm. Ministry. Uh, so you're, you're a little god. Uh, the spiritual death of Jesus, the teaching that Jesus paid for our sins, not on the cross, but down in hell, where he suffered, was tortured by demons, had to be reborn. Jesus actually had to get saved, and mm -hmm. that's where the real atonement of our sins took place, was not on the cross but down in hell. That's heresy. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, that Jesus emptied himself of his deity mm -hmm. and performed his miracles not as God but as a man, a man in right relationship with God. And uh, therefore, and this is Bethel's standard teaching, therefore, we should be able to do all of the things that Jesus did, perform all the same signs and wonders that Jesus did because we're men and women in right relationship with God, so we should be able to do those same things, even though nobody can, nobody does them. But, um, yeah, that's, a, that's another teaching, and the teaching that it's always God's will to be wealthy, it's always God's will to be healed, you should never be sick, or if you do get sick, then physical healing is guaranteed as long as you have enough faith, as long as you say the right positive confessions or sow enough seed into some minister's ministry. In other words, give me money, sow seed, and God will give you a harvest. Uh, if you hear that, run like the wind. You know you're dealing with a false teacher. Yeah, earlier today we were actually interviewing Costi Hen. We were just we, we were talking that about that exact issue and really it comes down to comparing what these teachers are saying and looking what scripture says. 
Yeah, are, are are they lining up? Are they matching up? Like you were saying earlier, I mean, just don't take the preachers, uh, don't take them at face value. Actually, be like the Bereans. Go study, know your know the word, know know your Bibles, and really, so that way you can spot these heresies. You can spot these discrepancies when they when they pop up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, in in terms of practical advice too, you know, um, in terms of maybe there's someone in their audience that's listening. Maybe they're going to one of these one of these churches right now. Um, should they try to speak to the preacher about it, try to reform the church, try to talk to the pastor, or should they just run away? Like, what's 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 the practical advice That's look like a, in that situation? Such a good and important question, Rob, and I'm really glad you asked it. So I get emails all the time from people. I talk to people all the time, and, and mm-hmm. their question is basically that. You know, it goes along the lines of, well, Justin, uh, I'm in a church, but I'm last few years I've really begun to grow and I'm studying for myself and I see now that the things that are going on in my church are not right they're not biblical so their question is do I stay in this church and try to be a source of light source of truth you know maybe I maybe they let me teach a Sunday school class and I, I feel an obligation to you know teach the truth to these folks even though I'm in a bad church so do I stay and do that try to change the church or do I leave? And I tell them 100% of the time, leave. You're not going to change the church. You're not going to change it. Uh, I, I know your heart's in the right place. I understand the sentiment. But the fact of the matter is a church, a, a congregation is not going to rise to a level of spiritual maturity above that of its leadership. It's just not going to happen. So uh, if that is happening with you individually and you're this, you know, you this one person, you're beginning to grow, then that's not a cause of what the church is teaching. That's in spite of it. Then you need to you need to get out. Uh, you're not going to change the church from the inside out. It's just not going to happen ever. That's normally what I also tell tell people yeah. all the time and, and and usually when these churches are compromised it doesn't happen overnight right there's usually little signs little cracks in the door that start letting things in they start compromising the little things that just become bigger and bigger and bigger issues and it's important you recognize that sooner rather than later yeah you, you think about the accountability and the discipleship that's needed within the body of christ too and you're not going to get that if you're in a church that is compromising in those areas as well what are some tips that you would give to a, a young adult or anybody that's listening of how they can find a sound church yeah great question so here's what you need to look for in a, in a sound church a few things you need to look for a what i call a sheep-centered ecclesiology now that sounds fancy and highfalutin but all it means is that a church a church is not for lost people. A church is for the sheep. Ecclesiology is our study, doctrine of the church. So a, a true church will be centered around the sheep to equip them for the work of ministry and to worship God. So uh, so in other words, a seeker-sensitive church or a, you've heard, I've heard Stephen Furtick, for example, say he wants a church for the unchurched. That's a meaningless statement. A church by definition is for the saved, not for the lost. Church so the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ, That's right? What it is. It's fine to invite people to church, but a, a, a church is the ones, the ecclesia, the Greek word for church, means the called out ones, the ones who have been called out already, out of darkness into light. So you want to find a, a, a church, a true church will have a sheep-centered ecclesiology. It will have a biblical plurality of elders 
the Bible describes, the New Testament describes and prescribes that a church, every local church, is to be led by a biblical plurality of elders. Uh, the term elder and pastor and shepherd and overseer, these are interchangeable terms in the New Testament. They're used interchangeably. So you need to find a church that is led by biblically qualified men and um, not, not ladies. Ladies can't be pastors. And ladies can't be elders. Ladies, ladies are not to be the spiritual leaders in the church. And that is not a knock on ladies at all. And I tell people all the time, men and women are of equal value. We are indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. You know, you two ladies, you don't have a female Holy Spirit. We don't have a male Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit. But God has, he has required and prescribed that men are to be the spiritual leaders in both the home and the church and that's that's his design you know don't shoot the messenger that's god's design so and having multiple elders is so important too because yes. i've seen i've even been to churches where there's only one pastor one elder right and every single time i mean it's just you don't have that accountability as that elder as that pastor of leading the church i mean you start going into every single direction there's no one to contain you in yeah. all of these decisions you're making for the church. So it's so important, like you were saying, to have that plurality of elders. Absolutely, absolutely. And the elders should have equal authority. There's usually one elder that's the primary preaching elder. You know, he's usually the one behind the pulpit, but uh, he shouldn't have any more power or authority than the other elders. So absolutely. a shared workload, and that's that pro provides accountability. So um, look for that. Look for a church that's committed to expositional preaching. Uh, preaching God's word verse by verse, you know, one verse at a time. So uh, that digs into the text and exposes the meaning of the text. Um, that and also, and this is a, a tough one, look for a church that practices church discipline. Mm, it's important. Just, we were just talking about that in uh, the interview with Costa Hinn as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a very important part. It is. Per Matthew 18, 15 and through. And a lot of people think is that's that's like that's a mean, that's a that's a bad thing to do, but actually it's the most loving thing really absolutely. that you can do for your congregations to have that in place. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the design, the purpose of church discipline is not to get somebody kicked out of the church. That's not what you want. The design, the purpose is to bring a sinning brother or sister to a place of repentance. So that relationship with that local body can be restored. Exactly. That's yeah. what you want. Now, if they refuse to repent, then after you follow the steps that Jesus describes in Matthew 18, then you finally do have to treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector and outsider. But that's not what you want. That's not, you hope it doesn't go that way. Sometimes it does, but uh, you hope, hope not. But that, I tell people that church discipline, that's actually, fun fact, trivia so if you're ever on jeopardy and this comes up uh, <laughs> church discipline in matthew 18 is the first command that jesus ever gave to his church <laughs> first command that he gave to the church is church discipline uh, just as much a command as is the lord's supper and believers baptism so and that's also where you see the verse when when two or three are gathered in my name i am there with you i'm sure you've seen that one take it out of context all the time all the time <laughs> yep yep yeah yep yeah so if there are resources that if young people are listening, they want to know more, more how to be more discerning, um, what, would, what would you suggest for them for that, that they can connect with more of your resources? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yes, you can go to my website, justinpeters.org, 
and I do have some resources available there on my store, some things that you can uh, purchase, uh, DVDs, some books, and things like that. I've got little flash drives that have a lot of my teaching on them, so that's available. I also have a YouTube channel, Justin Peters Ministries, so you can look look me up on YouTube and subscribe to that. Awesome. And I highly recommend. A lot yeah. of great interviews on there, too. Yeah, as soon as you guys are Thank done you. watching this episode, go subscribe to Justin Peters' channel. There you go. Thank you all. Thanks so much. We're so glad we got to talk to you today and that you're able to share your insights with young people. And we hope that you tune in next time for more great biblical authority messages so that you can continue standing on the truth of God's word. We pray that you do that with zero compromise. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. See you guys later. God bless. Bye-bye.